0: you're listening to faith community church's weekly podcast we hope this week's message from god is insightful and an inspiration to you as he went along he saw a man blind from birth his disciples asked him rabbi who sinned this man or his parents that he was born blind Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him. Wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means scent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, Isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? And some claimed that he was. And others said, No, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. So then were So then how were then your eyes opened, they asked. He replied, the man they call Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and then I could see. Where is this man, they asked him. I don't know, he said. John 9, 1 through 12.
1: Thank you for reading God's word, Dana. Let's pray this morning. God, again, seems like over these months of 2022, I'm coming before you going, okay, can you help me in my weakness um, to speak? And here we are again. And so I asked this morning, God, that in my weakness, your spirit, and today is the day of Pentecost, that is the spirit is at work and is powerful, is greater in his power than my weakness. And we want to hear from you about blindness in our lives. Um, we all carry it in different ways and I pray that you would help me to communicate what you want me to say and we pray this in Jesus name, amen yeah, today is Pentecost, and some and our kids are going to be celebrating that. It's the it's the day when uh, Jesus, after Jesus had ascended into heaven after his resurrection, the Holy Spirit comes, and scholars say in the Book of Acts that's the beginning of the Church Age, when the Holy Spirit descends and empowers believers to be missionaries of the gospel, the good news, and so that's what's going to be celebrated today. You might see some of that celebration spilling out into linger longer with the kids. But um, I want to just start by saying this. You know, I, this week when I was kind of in isolation, I could kind of once in a while sneak out of our the slider door in our bedroom and just look out in our our backyard garden, that Alita has done so much work on. It's loaded with beautiful flowers and you know native plants and things like that. And to, to I was thinking to be blind and able to, and unable to see the beauty of God's creation. I was thinking, man, that would just be such a tragedy. It's just like a feast for my soul to see the beauty, you know, of God's creation. But I was also thinking there is a condition that is worse than being completely blind. And it's the condition of thinking you are seeing completely clearly while actually being more blind than you know. That's a worse condition. Um, let me try to explain... With one, and I could have picked many, but one example from my own life. The example is this. I was in church within a, probably a week of my birth. I grew up going to church because as many of you know my backstory, my dad was a pastor and so i i grew up um, and this is a blessing to hearing and learning and singing about god and sin and forgiveness and salvation all these big truths and then i got baptized at the age of 12 because i i knew at even at an early age that, that i um i i wanted to follow jesus and by the time i hit my early 20s i honestly believe, having grown up in church culture, I honestly believe, like, I've got a really clear bead, a very clear vision of what my faith is really all about. I was convinced of it. Completely accurate view of the nature of my relationship with God. And the way that I saw it was this. It was very simple. Um, God is happy with me because I think and do the right things. And I like God because God saved me. And and that was, I was very clear that that's what my story of salvation is. And this clear vision that I had of God and my relationship with him, it couldn't stand up to reality. The reality of, to the point where that when I inevitably found myself tempted by and stumbling into the sins of youth, There was a day, and I remember the day, that I looked in the mirror and I said out loud as I looked at myself in the mirror, I'm failing. God probably doesn't want me around anymore. And I don't think Christianity actually works. And I said it with the conviction of a young man completely convinced that I was clearly seeing what my faith was really all about. So let me ask you something. How clearly... Do you think you are seeing your faith, your life, even reality? How convinced are you of how clearly you're seeing? Is it possible that you think you're seeing with completely clear vision while actually being more blind than you know? Is that possible for all of us in this room? Is it possible that you're more blind than you know to who God actually is? More blind than you know to what God is actually at work trying to do in this world that He's created? Is it possible that you're more blind than you know to sin in your life? Sin. It's crouching. It's creeping around in your life. The stuff like lust, pride, greed in a consumptive culture, gossip, that's actually hurting both you and others more than you have been self-deceived to admit to yourself. Is it possible you're more blind than you know to what the richness of the reality of the good news and the gospel actually is and how it can inform joy in your life on every given day, even the worst days of your life? Are you more blind than you know to dangerous allegiances in your life that are more in line with the world's kingdom than the kingdom of Jesus? And maybe it's so dangerous an alliance that the alliance even says it's part of the kingdom of Jesus. And it ain't. And you're blind to it. I'm going to say something that's a bit uncomfy. If I haven't already said some things that are uncomfy. We are all in some state of thinking. We're seeing clearly while actually being way more blind than we know. Now, probably for many of us who are here, and I'm going to include myself in this, for many of us, it's a kind of a more of a minor state of blindness in some area of your life that the Holy Spirit wants to talk to you about today. But I also know that within my hearing, there are some who may be way more blind, dangerously blind to stuff that you think, I'm seeing this clearly, and you are blind as a bat. We're almost at the end of our study, look again, look closer, It's in the book of John. And what we've been doing is we've been studying what John calls in the book of John, sign miracles. It's his attempt to go. I want to talk to you about these real life events that are miraculous, but there's something in the event that points to something even more ultimate. John says it like this. He says, these are signs through which Jesus revealed his glory. And so we have seen the ultimate realities of Jesus Christ found in each sign. You remember way, way back, we all got a little uncomfortable when I put on a party hat? Remember that? We saw how Jesus turned water into wine, and we saw that that points to something more ultimate. That he is the source, the kingdom of God has done, and he is the source of every joy that actually comes into our experience. And he's the joy that's breaking into the brokenness of now and will come in its fullness in eternity. And I said, and if you want to dare to kind of remind yourself of that, you can wear a party hat or you can just laugh at me. When Jesus healed a very sick boy, Nick Hart preached on this, we saw the more ultimate that Jesus reveals himself as Jehovah Yairah, the one who is the healer, the source of all healing in the world. When Jesus commanded the lame man to pick up his mat and walk, remember that narrative and name that he had given himself? I'm lame. I'm never going to walk. For 38 years, I've been stuck here. Woe is me. I'm never going to walk again. He had a name and a name badge on it, and that says, I'm lame. And Jesus comes into his life and he says, pick up your mat, rise again, and walk. And we saw through the event the more ultimate reality that Jesus is the ultimate restorer, whose ultimate end is the total restoration of everything, not just body, but the mind and the spirit and the names and the narratives that we give to ourselves. He's the restorer. And then when Jesus walked across the surface of the stormy Sea of Galilee last week when I preached in my bedroom, stacked with all the pillows I could find to put my phone in front of my face. We saw that Jesus, beyond that event, there's something more ultimate, more than just walking across the water, that Jesus was revealing himself as the great master over all chaos you and I will ever face in life. It's a lot of revelation. So be ready to dive into John chapter 9, verse 1. As Jesus approaches a blind man. Now the interesting thing about this sixth sign is it's actually there's more going on than just physical blindness. Jesus is going to deal with two forms of blindness, physical and spiritual. And something I'd never really quite seen before until I really studied it this week. As Jesus launched his earthly ministry, we'll get a little bit of meaning, the fuller context of this as we dive into it. When Jesus launched his earthly ministry, some of you may remember this, he preached his first sermon in his hometown, little little town of Nazareth. And in the synagogues, the tradition in the synagogue is that grown men who are participants in synagogue life can read scripture. Jesus was a grown man in his early thirties. And on that morning, he took the scroll in that synagogue and he read from the prophet Isaiah. And here's what he read. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim the good news. And he goes through and he lists, here's all the good news. And one of the things it says is, recovery of sight for the blind. This was God's promise from the Old Testament that here's what God was going to do. God's going to be faithful, and he's going to be faithful to his promise to bring in an eternity of jubilee. The kingdom of God will dawn with an eternity of jubilee. And with it, one of the things that's a marker of that kingdom is the people who are blind will start to see. And Jesus rolls up the scroll and he hands it to the attendant and he sits down while boldly saying, today, scripture has been fulfilled in your presence. And people go, what? Just before the passage we're going to read, Jesus says this in John eight twelve. If you have your Bible open, you can flip to it to see, is Andy accurately saying this? Is this true? Is this true? John chapter eight, verse 12, Jesus says this, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me, will never walk in darkness but will have the light of life. So what's happening before we even get to this passage is Jesus through the book of John and in the Gospels he's constantly presenting himself as God's fulfillment of the promise. This eternity of jubilee that with it comes, blindness disappears. And God's kingdom has now dawned because Jesus is now here. And with it, God is making it possible for his people to see reality in increasing measure as God sees reality. That's part of the jubilee of the kingdom. So now, here's we get into our passage. Jesus walks up to a man born blind. He he had never been able to see, ever, in his lifetime. And all the people around him who were in his community, his family, his friends, they all knew it. He's never been able to see. And... He comes up to this man, and he's going to deal with the issue. But the first thing that happens, he has to deal with the first issue first, with his disciples, which seems to be a tradition with Jesus. He has to deal with our issues as disciples first before he gets to what he's got to do. And what happens is he has to address theological blindness in the disciples. Look at what it says in the passage. In verse 2, the disciples rudely turn the man into a theological debate. The man's suffering with blindness since birth, and they go, can we have a theological discussion about this guy? They say, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents? And I want to be like, I want. if that was a skit, the man in the skit would have to say, Hello, I'm standing here. I'm here. And they say, who, who sinned, this man or his parents? Here's the translation of that. Here's what's going on. Jesus... Our worldview, and Jesus, you gotta know this, this is the culture of the people of Israel. Our whole worldview says that sickness and struggle and suffering, they come into your life because someone, somewhere, did something wrong. That's how the world works. Right, Jesus? Well, in verses three through four, before Jesus can even get to healing the blindness, he's dealing with another piece of blindness. He opens their eyes and he says, basically, no one's to blame. Blame is not the issue here. This man's blindness is an opportunity for God's good to be displayed in his life and for everyone who's watching. And then in verse 7, Jesus repeated what he had said in John 8, verse 12. He says, I'm the light of the world. It's almost kind of like, I'm the light of the world. Now watch this. You like that? I'm the light of the world. Watch this. And that's when he acted to heal this poor man's physical blindness. He spits on the ground and he forms clay. Almost kind of like, when did God form clay? Oh yeah, Genesis chapter 2, when he forms the dust of the earth and then breathes into Adam, Adam. He forms the clay, kind of a hearkening back to the recreation, to, to creation. And then Jesus puts the mud on the man's eyes I don't think I've ever heard of a healing service where anybody's ever tried to repeat that. Very weird. Like, please don't put your spitty spitty mud on my eyes. But Jesus did this. And then he told the man, go wash your eyes. The man goes to the pool of Siloam. He washes his eyes and he can see for the very first time in his life. And all of the man's neighbors, they can't believe, no, no, come on. This cannot be the right guy. This is not the same guy with the sight. But he tells them, no, I'm the guy. I'm the same guy. And the only thing I can tell you is, quote, I'm, it's about because of a man called Jesus. So we see physical blindness is healed by the light of the world. But at that point, Jesus begins to deal with spiritual blindness. And this is where having your Bible cracked open is going to be a bit of a help to you because I didn't have Dana read it. We're going to cover in the next minute or two, verses 13, all the way through verse 41, but we're going to do it as kind of a review, but here's the review of it. It's a scene of religious leaders called Pharisees. They're trying to disprove Jesus's miracle Everybody can see, this guy can see, but they're going, no, no, didn't happen, didn't happen. They're trying to disagree with the healed man's own story. Well, here's what happened to me. They go, no, that's not what happened to you. And they're trying to intimidate everyone around them to seeing Jesus the way they see Jesus, all through verses 13 through 41. At the exact same time as that's happening, there's a growing enlightenment spiritually happening in the man whose physical blindness has been healed as he comes in contact with Jesus. So what I want to do for the sake of time, we're not going to read all verses 13 through 41. I'm not going to preach on it, so don't worry. You can, you'll can, get your coffee probably within the next 30 minutes. Is, is, is What I want to do is I want to watch the progression in the passage. And if you have your Bible cracked, I want you to see it. First, I want you to watch how the man with new sight has the spiritual scales over his eyes, progressively, they start to fall away as he comes in greater contact with Jesus Christ. Watch how this goes. It starts in verse 11, and in verse 11, his, his friends and family are saying, are you, the, are you the same guy? And he says, yeah, I'm the same guy. I, I can see now, same guy. And he says, Jesus is, he's just the man they call Jesus. That's all he knew him as. He's just hes just a guy, the man they call Jesus. Then if you skip down to verse 17, and he's being kind of questioned about what happened, he starts to think, well, he he's probably a prophet, which if you grow up in Israel, you know these are people with authoritative voice for God. I th- I, he's probably a prophet. And then if you keep skipping down to verse 33, he moves on further to think, I think he's from God. He... he I, He's not just a prophet. He came directly from God. And then in verse 35, he moves even further to think, you know what? He's this, that guy that's been, he's the son of man. And finally in verse 38, after a final conversation with Jesus, in front of Jesus, imagine Jesus leading you to Jesus. <laughs> that'd be, that'd be awesome. <laughs> He meets Jesus and in the end he concludes, Lord, I believe. And he worships Jesus Christ as God. Meaning, this is a man who within the same day is healed of physical blindness as well as spiritual blindness. He's come to know Jesus as Messiah. Now, watch as the Pharisees, watch the Pharisees' eyes the scales on those eyes, they don't fall off. They start to thicken and become more hardened and calloused in the progression. Watch this. They start off by saying in verse 16, this this man is not from God. Talking about Jesus. You know, they talk about, well, Jesus is the guy who healed, the guy who used to be blind, he's not blind now. And they go, well, that that guy, Jesus, he's not from God. Not from God. No more discussion. Then, They work harder to deny the miracle. If you skip down to verse 18, and then they claim, well, no, now we're just going to say that the guy never was blind ever to begin with, even though everybody knows he's been blind ever since birth. We're going to go all against that and say, no, he was never blind. (laughs) Then you skip down to verse 22. And it says, they had such a pre-commitment against Jesus that they, quote, had already decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. So they're working so hard to make sure nobody believes that Jesus could potentially be anything other than just a backwoods man from Nazareth, that they were going to use all of their influence and all of their power to make sure you don't even get to be a part of your community anymore. They'd already committed to that. And everybody around them knew and were scared to give their testimony. Finally, in verse 34... They try to silence any more discussion by defaming the man whose sight has been come, come back. And here's what they call him. They say, you were just steeped in sin at birth. It, it doesn't sound like the junior high argument, right? Well, you're just lame. That's my final argument. You're, you are just so steeped in sin. Why would anybody pay any attention to anything you're saying, even if legitimately you're, you're seeing, even though you were blind? You were steeped in sin at birth. I hope you can maybe be convicted in some of the things that we've seen. Which way are the scales on your eyes going in your life? The sign miracle is a scene of both physical and spiritual blindness, where the light of the world does what he still does today. Step into people's darkness. And for some, the scales fall off and they see reality far more clearly than they ever saw it before. And for others, the scales thicken and harden, and they become entrenched in darkness. See, here's what I want us to see in this sign miracle. is Jesus steps into our darkness in order to cancel it. This is a good kind of cancel culture. Jesus stepping into our darkness to cancel us. That God's kingdom with the advent of Jesus Christ, it has dawned in its fullness, even though it hasn't rendered everything in perfection yet, it has dawned. And with it, even right now, Jesus makes it possible for his people to increasingly see clearer and clearer, more in line with how God sees reality. And Jesus is constantly stepping into your and my darkness in order to cancel it. Jesus stepped into the scene of John chapter 9 and many different kinds of blindnesses were given the opportunity for cancellation. And by the way, Jesus is doing that same thing. It is possible right now. In John 9, there was the obvious cancellation of the man's physical blindness. And today, Jesus still has the power to do such things. When the people of God lay hands on somebody who may be physically blind and they pray, God, in the mysteries of Jesus Christ and his choice, within the mysteries of his choice, has the capacity and the power to do the same thing. Today, we um, in the same way in John chapter 9, there was a con- cancellation of wrong, wrong theological assumptions. The disciples thought they were seeing clearly, while in fact being quite blind when they looked at the guy's blindness and they said, well, bad things happen to bad people and good things happen to good people. That's how God rewards and punishes the world, right? Well, in the same way today, you may be thinking you're seeing quite clearly while being quite blind. Maybe for you, it's that theological issue for you. You you still think like the disciples thought. That's how God works. No, he doesn't. It could be, Assumptions about God. It could be assumptions about sin. It could be assumptions about the gospel that need cancellation in front of the light of the world. Finally, in John chapter 9, there is the cancellation of spiritual blindness. The man born blind progressively moved from being naive about Jesus to somewhat informed about Jesus to more informed to worshipful belief in Jesus as the living Lord of life. And today, there may be somebody here, right here in our midst, who's in that state of progression right now. Where maybe right up to the moment where you were at that place where the man who had that last conversation with Jesus concluded, Lord, I believe. And that maybe today is a day for you where you arrive at that place that today is the salvation, Pentecost Sunday 2022, where you say, Lord, I believe. And you say yes and you follow him as the Lord of life. The reason Jesus is thick in our presence right now, how do I know that? One, it's through we're reading the sacred text, Scripture. We're reasoning together about Scripture. We're thinking about Scripture. We're pondering Scripture. That is one of the ways Jesus is thick in our presence. But also through his spirit. Remember, it's Pentecost Sunday. So I want us to take a minute to pay close attention as Jesus, even now, is stepping into our various places of blindness. And there's two ways the Spirit of Jesus Christ, also known as the Holy Spirit, does that kind of work, stepping into our blindness. One is convicting and one is convincing. Where is the Spirit of God, where you're at, convicting you of your blindness as, I, as we speak? Conviction of blindness about your view of God. that You got some catching up to do with the reality of who God actually is. Conviction of your blindness about your view of the church. Conviction of your blindness about others, whatever your other is. If you're a woman, your view of men. Men, if it's your view about women. Whatever your race is, your view of other races or the poor and the marginalized or whatever it is. The other in your life that you have some scales that need to fall away. Anything else. Your politics that you're self-convinced self, self, self convinced in. Your job, your living situation, whatever it is. Where is the Spirit of God convicting you? Not, I'm not telling you what it is. I'm saying the Holy Spirit's trying to get through to you. Convicting you of blindness. But where is the Spirit also convincing you of Truth working to cancel blindness and you can see the tracings of it are there scales over your vision that are progressively hardening as the spirit's trying to say you're blind here and you're like no i'm entrenching myself thank you or are the scales over your vision progressively falling away and are you willing for them to fall away as the spirit works what i want to do is i want to take a moment to do a spiritual discipline as we do this together we're going to sit in silence for a second. Because I believe it's often in the silence that usually terrifies us that the Spirit can whisper and implant in our mind thoughts that are from the Spirit. And so what I want to do is I want you to pay attention to the thoughts that the Spirit of God are planting within you that are thoughts related to convicting or convincing and sit in silence and listen to the Spirit. Let's just be silent for a few moments. I don't know what the Spirit was trying to say to you, but I want you to hold that. And here's the appeal. Right after looking at, my, at myself, about 20 years old, in the mirror, and saying out loud, I'm failing, God probably doesn't want me around anymore, I really don't think Christianity works. I decided the smartest thing to do would be to keep my distance from God, which is what I did. I stopped going to church, which is a dangerous thing to do when you're a preacher's kid. I told my family and my friends I wasn't sure if I even was a Christian. I just said that. Which included the drummer in my band, who I had just been a part of leading to Jesus. I told him that. True story. I thought, if being a good Christian means being good in order to stay on God's good side, then I can't lie anymore. I can't, I'm can't. i proving I can't consistently be good. No matter how I try within the powers, weak as they are, within me. I can't be consistently good, which means I'm going to fail to stay on God's good side, so I can't lie anymore. And probably about six months, maybe something like that, I kept my distance from God. No church, no nothing. Don't talk to me about God. I'm not reading my Bible. I'm not praying. One day... I brought my old Bible to the pool, and I've been thinking about it this week, like, what in the world? Why, why would you do that? When you're in this commitment to keep your distance from God, why, why would you do that? I don't know. I, I, honestly, I can't explain to you. All I know is I have a memory of being at a pool and trying to crack open the Bible, because here's the thing. A critic of God can never be too careful when cracking open the Bible, <laughs> But I flipped it open and I landed in Paul's letter to the church at Galatia, Galatians. And I read these words, which I'm going to put up on the screen here in a second. But these words became so powerful to me. I wrote them on a little slip of paper that I slipped into my wallet. And it, you know, got all sweaty and nasty and all that stuff. But it was in there for well over a decade of my reminder. And this is what I read. I have been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Galatians 2.20. And I don't know how else to explain it. Suddenly Jesus met me on a pool deck and his light, it rushed in and darkness began the process of cancellation in my life. And I began in that moment to let go of my familiar darkness. By the way, scary to say, familiar darkness that had been formed within church culture. I began to let go of a familiar darkness to fully embrace the reality of the actual gospel, which is, it's not my goodness, it's God's grace that keeps me safe before God. And I began to learn what that actually means. And I want you to hear this. Jesus steps into our darkness to authoritatively cancel it. And here's what that means for us. Embrace the light Jesus brings instead of clinging to your familiar darkness. And why is it that we Christians are good at clinging to familiar darkness? I don't know what that is. Now, let's be honest. It is really easy to remain in a familiar darkness. It's super easy. Here's why. I'll give you three reasons. Number one, reason why it's easy to cling to familiar darkness. One, it's familiar. And we like what's familiar. Number two, it has been created by our life story, the functions and dysfunctions, the victories, the victimizations, the truths and the untruths of our upbringing and our culture around us. That's the second reason. And the third reason why it's easy to stay with familiar darkness is it is just it's easily and consistently perpetrated by echo chambers we place ourselves into the echo chambers of culture, the echo chambers of social media and cable news networks and relational networks and all these other things. And it's just easy to just keep fostering the echo chamber. And so we just stay in the familiar darkness. That is why for the rest of our lives, Jesus is going to keep stepping into our familiar darkness to shine his light. We just spent a few moments of silence trying to listen to the conviction and possibly the convincing of the Holy Spirit. The question is, are you, are you going to turn away from the light because it makes you squint and squirm and so suffer a hardening of the scales over your eyes? Or will you embrace the light? And even if it makes you squint and squirm, Follow it to the fullness of Jesus' revelation for you and experience the scales of your vision falling away in order to see life and faith and the kingdom and reality more clearly and more fully than ever before. And that's going to be a process for the rest of our lives. There is a writer, her name is Carolyn Schroeder, who once wrote this observation. I've shared it with you before years ago. Some people change when they see the light. Others change when they feel the heat. Staying in familiar darkness, you're going to experience Jesus's love. And here's how you will experience Jesus's love. If you want to embrace a familiar darkness and his love expressed in the form of heat in your life, heat, but embracing the light, no matter how much it initially makes you squint or squirm will bring us life and peace. I'm going to invite Rodney and Todd. Come on back up, guys, and, and get set to lead us in music. Look, I, I know I've lived it, and I'm still living it. I know how easy it is to feel like I, I'm comfortable with the way I see things. You know, over the years, I, I've tried to listen to Jesus a bit here, and, and I've had my own experiences there, and I've, and I've developed my view of how I think I see things. I'm comfortable with that. I get that, but my life and your life as a follower of Jesus is the journey of recognizing there's still more blindness to be canceled by Jesus as he helps us to see more clearly for the rest of your life. I don't care if you're middle-aged and you go, I've been in church my whole life. I think I see clearly enough now. No, you don't. I don't. It's a, it's a project for the rest of our lives of him canceling out the darkness until the time we get to see Jesus face to face. And then we'll see clearly. And when we accept this as a key part of our discipleship to Jesus Christ, we will more deeply embed ourselves in actual discipleship to Jesus Christ. Jesus steps in our darkness to authoritatively cancel it. So let's be that kind of people who embrace the light that Jesus brings instead of trying to remain in the familiar dark space. Let's pray. God, lead us into the light. And God, where maybe even it's necessary in our lives... At least I'll say this in my life. I can't I can't give you permission for other people's lives. I'll give it for myself. But maybe this is a prayer everybody can pray. God, if there are scales over my eyes that are hardening, I give you permission to reveal it and peel it away. I want to see as you see. I want to love as you love. I want to be more like you as you've asked and called me to be. God, that is the prayer of the people of God. And I pray that is the prayer of each and every individual here. Heal away the blindness in your name.
0: Amen. Thank you for listening to this production of Faith Community Church in Santa Cruz, California. To visit our complete archive of sermons, to learn more about FCC, or to view our live streaming services, please visit us online at santacruzfaith.org.